You're listening to episode 43 of Talk Hard, presented by Walk Softly Films, where we're going to run down three of our favorite spooky movies. Joining me, as always, is Scott Stafford. Konnichiwa. And Todd Sheen. Domo. And I'm Alan Martin. Let's go. And we love our Japanese fans, if you can't tell. (laughs) It's become your signature. (laughs) I think I might love them more than our regular fans. They're gonna put me in the movies. They're gonna make the big star out of me. We'll make the film about a man that's sad and lonely. And all I gotta do is act naturally. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this Halloween edition of Talk Hard, presented by Walk Softly Films. If you don't remember uh, from the last episode, we each picked a uh, seasonal movie, a scary movie for Halloween, a creepy, a creep fest, and uh, we watched them all. We're going to get into what we thought of our recommendations for those. Before we do that, guys, I've got something i got to get off my chest. Are y'all ready? Hmm. That's what you you all have no idea what's coming. I'm about to take a strong social stand that honestly, it might make me a pariah, but I feel like it's high time. Somebody did something and, and I've got to start a movement regardless of how outlandish or unacceptable. It may seem at first. I've got to do it. Let it out there, man. I am finished saying bless you to people when they sneeze. I'm done. I'm done with it. Look, my my <laughs> wife and my daughter make Sneezy Smurf look like a poster child for Allegra, and they I'm blessing 20 times a day. <laughs> and I got to thinking, why do we do that? Why do we bless people when they sneeze? I Like every other bodily outburst, <laughs> the culprit is asking forgiveness, asking, please excuse me, you know? Uh-huh. If they cough or yawn, burp, fart, whatever, they're asking for. But if you spew snot all over people, then those people <laughs> have to excuse you for it. Why do we do that? You want, you want my take on it? Yes, I do, because I don't understand it, and I'm done. But, yeah, I, I want your take. Well, um, whether or not this is accurate or not, um, supposedly when you sneeze um, – your bodily functions kind of everything kind of stops supposedly mm. for a split semi millisecond or something. And so you kind of, I guess you die. It's bullcrap. You're sneezing. And so the fact that you come back to life, God bless you. No. You know, I'm you not, back no, I'm not believing it because if that were the case, my wife would have been dead at age nine. Like that woman sneezes on a loop. And if if like if it stopped your heart and your lungs every time you did it, there's no way she'd survive through the night. There's no way. <laughs> so I actually looked it up why we why what kind of weird custom how this got started. And apparently in like 590 AD, when the Black Plague was going around, the first sign of getting it was sneezing. So the Pope ordered everyone when they heard a sneeze to bless them. Well, guess what? The Black Plague has been over for 2,000 years. Why are we still blessing people? <laughs> well, I'm sorry to say it, but I feel like the ship has sailed. 
Like you can stop doing it, but you're just going to have to know that everybody's going to be like, take exception to the fact that you're not saying bless you. There's, I think there needs to be a groundswell movement and I think it needs to start here on this podcast. It'll reach Japan. It'll reach Germany. They'll be like, yeah, that's a good point. Why do, why do, I mean, if they do that, I don't know. Well, yeah, that's true. But and by the way, uh, Germany is our third leading country in listens. And I would just like to say that when, and and this, you know, I'll, I'll tell you this, Alan, when I was in Germany, um, I sneezed and got a genuine gazuntite. Mm. And yeah, why? Uh, I don't know, but you it made me. You should be it, excusing yourself for doing that. It made me feel good, though. I got, but I got the blowing, real thing. You're blowing infection over people, <laughs> and there are, and then they are blessing you for it. Isn't that Christ-like, though? Isn't that what Jesus would do? Like, no. you know, if you blew snot all over him, he's not going to get mad about it. He's going to turn it around and be like. I don't think he. I don't think he appreciates people sneezing on him. <laughs> love, love, love I your don't enemy. Know, yep, yep. Love I think not my enemy. I just think it's a dumb tradition that was for some reason we've held on to since the Black Plague. Well, we got to be done with it. Just get behind me. I'm making good points. <laughs> it's a it's a hard stand against. Yeah, the, and I'm making. I'm not doing it anymore. Uh, I'm done. I tell you what, it's it's hard for me to take you seriously right now because you got those. Um, those high heeled shoes, high heels back here. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm recording from my daughter's bedroom uh, with a high heel uh, stripe going around the wall. But uh, yeah, we we have to stop blessing people for for sneezing. It's gross. I just, There's nothing else that we bless people for that's gross. <laughs> I just wonder how you're gonna feel when you know someday the allergies just kick in. And you're sneezing your head off, and you're like, "Man, wish I could get blessed right now." No, I'm not. I actually, I've I've even thought about taking it a step further. And if people bless me, saying, <laughs> no, "I don't want it," <laughs> excuse me, this one's on me. I don't. You don't owe me anything. I owe you an apology for doing that, Todd. I don't know That's about you, but you this sounds like the uh, sounds like the opening premise of a Twilight Zone episode to me. <laughs> you know he makes this decision he makes a big declaration at the beginning of the episode and, yeah and then by the end what what ty what's what's the hook at the end what's the big well, well he's gonna be um let's see he's he's gonna everybody's gonna be gone he's gonna be the only person left on earth mm-hmm. and um let's see he's gonna be he's gonna be in a lot he's gonna have a a, a whole big huge house full of books and all the time to read it and then he sits down on his uh, reading glasses. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. That's, 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 <laughs> that was a twist. That was a twist. You didn't see that one coming. The heck of a swerve. Yeah. Uh, It'll take me a while to get used to this because I, it is so habitual. I'm not kidding you. I'm blessing 20 to 50 times a day. It'll, it's, it's habitual for me at this point. It'll take me a while. I'll have to make a concerted effort to not say it. But I'm, I'm determined. Well... Let me let me let me tell you something. Okay. I am I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna let you take a vacation from saying bless you. Thank you. Okay. Because this is a problem for you, and I want you to take yeah. a, a vacation from your problem. Well, it just doesn't make sense, and I don't like doing things that don't make sense. I'm just saying, let it. You know, sit back, and you know what? You can always kind of give that that you know that that kind of look that bandit gave bass when they were talking about Custer. 
you know, <laughs> and then have that be have that be the bless you without really being the bless you. Yeah. Well, here's okay. Here's my Go, here's my uh, Twilight Zone plot. Okay. All so right. he he makes his big declaration that he's going to stop blessing people. His wife sneezes all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, it turns out that they live in a haunted house, and mm-hmm. uh, it's possessed by demons. It's buried. It's 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 built on a burial ground, and and every time he would say "bless you," because she she sneezes so much that it was keeping the demons out, right? Oh wow! And he cuts it off. He comes home one day, and she's she's been dragged away, and, or maybe uh, possessed. Oh yeah, better better. Yeah, and then she comes after me all because I didn't bless uh-huh. her. Yeah, and just blowing just demonic snot all over you. Yeah, it's a risk mm. I'm willing to take. At this point. <laughs> here's here's a secondary storyline, and that would be that Alan finds out that somehow he has um, he has Italian lineage, and he's actually in line to be the next pope. Mm. Mm. And, and I can decree. <laughs> Like well, this. the only the only way you can become the pope and be just everybody's favorite pope, and uh, you have to bless. Mm. Can't be holding Everyone. back the blessings if you're a pope. That's or right. Or maybe I can I can undo the pope from 590 AD. I can undo his. You have to bless people, I, and and just completely flip. I can veto it. I can veto that decree by the Pope in 590 and say, you don't have to bless anymore. As a matter of fact, don't because <laughs> it's bad. Also the ratio, the, the ratios are way off. I sneeze maybe twice a month. I'm getting blessed twice a month, but I'm blessing people 20 times a day. That doesn't <laughs> seem right. Look, it's going to come back. Yeah. Tenfold. No, even, even if and here's the other thing. So, like if I come up, let's say we're hanging out and I, I come up and I've got a big one brewing and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, and yes, we're still talking about sneezing. Okay. Uh, and then and let's just say, oh man, it's coming. And then all of a sudden I, you know, I, I hike up my arm and I sneeze into my, mm-hmm. my uh, elbow pit. So I've, 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 I've not, I've limited the spread of germs. Right. Does that kind of deserve? No. It, I mean, you need to say, excuse me, or just we just need to let it go. But I don't know why you need to be blessed for that. Well, I mean, if everybody else is getting blessed, you know. I'm not, but not by me. <laughs> well, Not anymore. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm to cap it off with this and just say okay. I support you and your efforts. Thank you. Thank you. And maybe once you see how positive this is on me. <laughs> I'll keep an open mind. How's that? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> that's all I ask. That's all I ask. It sounds like it's heading down positive court. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we spent enough time on sneezing. Y'all want to talk some movies? I can't wait. Get ready right. for spooky times. Spooky Halloween times. episode, everybody. So we picked three movies. Each one of us picked one that we wanted to watch for this episode. Scott picked The Birds. Uh, Todd picked Fright Night, and I picked The Strangers. And I guess we'll go in that order because chronologically, that's where they that's where they fell in the timeline. So let's start with the birds. Nineteen sixty three, everybody. Alfred Hitchcock directed. Uh, I've got a synopsis. Anybody else want to take a crack at it, or you want me to go? Uh, go for it. All right. This and this is uh, this is three years after Psycho. Everybody, three years after Psycho. 
<laughs> a, a wealthy young woman with an insatiable appetite for unreasonable one-upsmanship drives miles up the coast <laughs> to maliciously deliver lovebirds to a grown man in a small town where the residents still consider him a child and where he spends his weekends with his high-strung mother. It is there that birds make their first strike in an ill-conceived, randomly aggressive war on humans. I like that. That's very good. All right. There we go. How long did it take you to come up with that? I just did it at the shop today between between bending pipes. And and not blessing people. And not, and not, I actually took that stand at lunch. So, yeah, it was somewhere in there. Um, well played. So this thing is sitting at 96% on Rotten Tomato with critics. Wow. Eight, 85% with users. By far the most acclaimed movie of the three that, mm. that we watched. Um, what Do you all want to go positives, negatives? How do you want to do this? Yeah, well, yeah. Let's, so we can do it like that, yeah. Okay. Because I don't think we want to dive into it like we do. Uh, right, and go beat by beat. Force, force Watcher. We'll be here um, until Halloween. Um, so, yeah. What, what worked for you guys in this movie? Uh, there's not a lot going on, honestly, for a lot of the movie, mm-hmm. but I feel like Hitchcock keeps it interesting and, you know, there's, there's enough character development or, or intention to it that I, I'm, it, it kept me holding on, even though it's slow. Uh, yeah. so I would, I would call that a positive, uh, Tippy Hedren is a beautiful young lady. Uh, Melanie Griffith's mother, mom. mother of Melanie Griffith. I right. did not know that she's. Uh, she, I thought she was good. Um, yeah, turns out she's a little bit of a weirdo. <laughs> uh, she encouraged the uh, relationship between Melanie Griffith and Don Johnson when she, Melanie was fourteen and Don was twenty-two. Mm. Fourteen. And was twice divorced. So, yeah. Uh, anyway. And, and, and it still looked 60 years old like he does today. Yeah, I do agree. She was, uh, Tippy was great. What'd you like, Todd? Well, I mean, my fa- one of my favorite scenes, uh, probably my favorite scene, is the scene where she's outside the schoolhouse mm. and uh, she's sitting there smoking a cig and, um, you see, you gathering. see, you see, one, yeah, you see one bird jumping on the jungle gym, and then you know you've got that that eerie kid song that's kind of playing. Uh-huh. I mean, there's not a whole lot of music to this to this movie. Um, there's a few strains here and there, but a lot of it's just you know there's effects and you can't ever get past the fluttering of wings. But uh, that scene where you know she's looking around and then she and then you know about three or four crows in, she finally notices, Hey, they're gathering behind me. Mm-hmm. And then she's looking around and, you know, she's taking in everything. And then, you know, we, we, we pan back around and boom, the whole thing's covered without any of us knowing it. And then she kind of slowly gets up and walks on. I, that scene, um, kind of an iconic scene because I mean, you know, it's an iconic scene when they parody it in a Mel Brooks movie. Um, and which they did in high anxiety and which they did really well. Uh, it was a nice homage to, uh, uh, to the birds, but just, uh, you know, I guess I just loved it because of, and the way she handled it too, because she just, you know, she, 
she there's a feeling of unease every time you see her on screen. Uh, not and then and to, at least for me, and that's not even that's not necessarily counting when you know when the birds are attacking or anything like that. It just seems like she's she's you know there's just something a little a little off when she's there. So, but she also commands she commands the screen while she's there. It's good stuff. I got to be honest. Uh, this was my pick, and I probably came away with more negatives than positives on this thing. Uh, oh yeah. As far as like points I've written down, and yeah, mm-hmm. and what what works and what doesn't work. For one thing, I think the premise is all good, and the tension is all good, and it is a scary premise. And I'm I'm betting that the scariness worked a lot better in '63 than it does today, because uh, you know clearly the like I'm I'm still impressed by what they were able to do effects wise back then, mm-hmm. uh, but it's hard to be scared by it today. You know, all the green screen birds and bad sound design and it's a little rough. Um, so as far as like being scared, not so much. I don't think I was ever scared, you know, watching it way back whenever I first saw it. I I know I saw it like Mm -hmm. on network TV, but I think shocked would probably would probably coin what I was feeling when I saw it the first time. I think it freaked me out a little bit when I was a kid. Uh, here, uh, let's see, uh, just, just some, just some points. Um, I'm not, I wasn't sure about their leave school and run through the streets screaming plan. I didn't, I didn't yeah. know if that was the right move. <laughs> Maybe they could have come up with something better than that. <laughs> You don't, you don't start, think taking, start running. start running when I tell you, <laughs> yeah, everybody be real. taking, taking kids out into it, the open air when there's an obvious swarm of rabid birds. <laughs> yeah. You knew you it was coming, the best. <laughs> but everybody, everybody be quiet. And, and then when you get outside, take off running and scream your heads off. <laughs> yeah. Which, whichever one of you, the, the weakest link loses. um i was i was really surprised by some of the like you know clearly (laughs) i don't feel like they had as tight a hold on animal safety back in the day yeah when shooting movies because mitch is effing that seagull up when it comes yeah. through the window. <laughs> I don't feel like that thing, you know, there's a chance that thing didn't live through uh, the shooting of this movie. Yeah, I wonder how many birds actually died on set. <laughs> I think uh, quite a few. I would say so too. <laughs> quite a few. And those, man, the birds, like the 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 actors too. Like, I mean, I guess they all got their turn because... Hitchcock, I mean, those things are taking some hacks at their yeah. hands and fingers, <laughs> yeah, dude. It's like there's no way to like fake that, like you know, and like I it had to hurt like a you know a son of a gun because there's a lot of of hand nipping, you know, pecking going on from yeah, crows that, and seagulls. That one scene where he's trying to shut the get the shutter, yeah, closed. Man, they are just <laughs> yeah. there's like three of them just going to town. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that was that was something. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't know, you you can't you wouldn't imagine the birds would have that much force 
you know, unless they were like dive bombing and had some wind behind them, you know, but mm-hmm. man, they were, it was like, they were, you know, just punching, punch bagging it in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was, he was grabbing some seagulls and throwing them back out there. <laughs> <laughs> really, really good one. Good squeeze and shoving them back out that window. <laughs> oh man. Um, and huh. ultimately, pretty weird ending, right? By yeah. and by, weird ending. You mean no ending at all? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was that was odd. I I, I looked to see if my iPad had screwed up. <laughs> like, is that just jump to the end? Yeah, it was like yeah. start driving away and and logo. It was like we dang. Have, we have no idea what happened to anybody. No, or the birds. And you know, you know, you never got an explanation. They ask the question several times of why, why is this going on? And uh, and one time they said, "There's no reason. It's happening. Isn't that a reason?" I think Mitch <laughs> says that. And so they they never bothered to like. Pretty. I mean, how many how many um, horror movies can you think of, Todd, that they don't give a reason for what's happening or, or some type of like lore or legend at least. Right. Yeah. I mean there, you know, when you think of, um, when you think of night of the living dead, the original, mm-hmm. um, they, 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 you know, there wasn't a, a clear explanation why people, you know, why these bodies started getting yeah. up and walking and, you know, and I think they, what they did is they maybe, they they threw something out there that might be um, a possible explanation that the I think that the Earth had traveled through <laughs> like the tail of a comet or something, mm-hmm. um, and so but they didn't but you know I think that it was mentioned just to kind of give people something to run with because they never re- they never really explained that either. It's like okay why why are all of a sudden. Uh, the dead coming back to life. What caused that first batch of, to come back? Obviously, when they bite, you know, and infect, mm. you know, living people, and they die, and then they come back. That's we we, we got that figured out. But what caused that first uh, infestation? What what caused them to come back? So that's the one that would probably you know come to me because um, you know yeah they, they didn't didn't explain a lot. Um, I don't guess they had to. So let me ask you two then, how do you feel about uh, about in this movie in particular, would you prefer there to be like, you know, some scientist or, the, or that bird, uh, you know, ornithologist or whatever she was, old lady, to have like some type of, you know, venture some kind of reasoning behind it? Or, or are you good with, which, which is better for you all? What, which would you prefer? Just who knows why they're doing it and that makes it more scary or, you know. Would you rather there be some type of theory proposed? I would. I kind of like it not knowing. Hmm. Uh, actually, um, and I am. I hate ambiguity, but I, I like just wild animals are all of a sudden turning on us. Why is this happening? I kind of like that. Yeah. And, I, I, and it, I guess a lot of it depends on what the reason is. Like if they could have come up with something kind of clever, other than just oh, these birds are diseased yeah, or something. Right, yeah. Um, then, then I might be for that, but I kind of like not knowing. I, I feel the same way. I mean, you could easily, you could easily like attribute it to, you know, like global warming, which they have done <laughs> in, in movies. 
but it's funny because this um, this ambiguity that you're you know, that you're speaking of kind of ties in a little bit to Alan's pick as well uh, in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I, I like the fact that you don't you know you don't have to know they don't have to give you that explanation. So oh yeah now I can go yeah now I can watch the whole movie and just really enjoy it. Uh, and, and, and I've got all my, all my, uh, questions have been answered. Everything's great. Uh, I like the fact that you, you, you can dig for it, you know, and you can maybe think to yourself, well, what would have caused that? Because that's the thing you, you are thinking about it. You leave the movie, maybe thinking about that very point. It's like, well, why, why would they just go nuts all of a sudden? Obviously we're, we're hearing, I guess on news reports that it's spreading. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's a statewide or possible national epidemic or whatever. So I kind of like the idea that they leave some of it to your imagination. What do you think, Scott? Uh, I kept, I, I don't know. I just kept waiting for it. I don't know if that means I wanted it or not. I kind of felt the need for some type of, but I don't know. You know, it would have been tough to do and tough to do one that, yeah, like you said, was satisfying. Yeah. So I can kind of see why they didn't. And, and, you know, maybe the short story it's based on didn't, you know, never offered an explanation. Um, I'm a little bit surprised by, and I got to say, overall, um, I'll just say, you know, uh, overall thumbs up for the birds Mm -hmm. because I'm sounding a little negative. (laughs) But uh, I'm a little surprised by the 96 from critics because. I feel like the critics like a little something to chew on and I don't yeah. know if it's just, you know, let's all kneel at the altar of Hitchcock Maybe. And, and this was one of his, you know, big successes or, or most well-known movies. But, uh, you know, that's not like this thing. If, if you're looking for like subtext or hidden meaning, you know, that sort of thing, like the yeah. critics love some, you know, themes and I feel like you'd be hard pressed to find something in this one. Right. Yeah. 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 You you get kind of like a, a side story. You you get like a you know a, a B plot with Lydia's fear of losing her son and and will she or will she not like Melanie? Oh, and she named her daughter Melanie. Mm-hmm. Just put that together. But <laughs> Melanie was already born when she was shooting this because oh, I thought okay. that too. I All thought right. she named her after that character. She loved her so much. No, she was like two. Oh, okay. Uh, so forget that. Yeah, but I, I did the same thing. You know, at the very, very end when they're in the car and they're leaving, uh, Melanie is clinging to Lydia, and you know, there's that little bit of just a little bit of smile, and you see that okay, she is going to accept Melanie, and she likes maybe you know having a, a daughter, and and she's going to like you know. And not mm. being left alone, and and so you get that, but you know, there's there's no like you know correlations or analogies being drawn in this movie. I really right. unless it's over my head. Um, I also like seeing Jessica Tandy in this thing, and because mm-hmm. the really only thing I know her from is what uh, Driving Miss Daisy, Miss Daisy. And yep. around that time period where the way she looked, and so that was pretty interesting to see her in this. At I think she was fifty four. She drove me nuts. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I wrote down, to me, there's two conflicts in this movie. Birds versus humans and Jessica Tandy yeah. or Veronica Cartwright. Who could be the most annoying? <laughs> I don't and think point, I said, I want the birds to win so that they will kill those two characters. 
because they were driving me nuts. One of the things that drove me insane about them is they kept asking Mitch questions he had no way of answering. Yeah. Why are they doing this? Yeah. When are they coming back? Yeah, at one point. Where are they? Yeah. Uh, Lydia even loses it. Jessica Tanny completely loses it and starts screaming. Yeah. Yeah. And the way she acted when she walked in on that dude. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. Nobody would act like that, man. She like wouldn't talk to anybody <laughs> and just hands flailing and her mouth was open and got home and yeah. had to run to her room. And gosh, she drove me insane. You don't know. <laughs> when will you know? <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, she Yeah, she drove me crazy. Yeah. That's the biggest negative takeaway I had was was those two characters drove me insane. By by the way, maybe, maybe the character of Melanie and the Birds came from Melanie, the human daughter. That could be. And I did just flip that around. Yeah. Turn that smile upside down. There you go. <laughs> yep. And I did like the whole front end, I think, and and kind of the lead mm-hmm. up to it. And, and I did too. Yeah. And and how she was kind of a weird stalker and. Man, that is a that is yeah. a, what a length to go to get a little <laughs> bit of a little bit of satisfaction. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, she was gonna get him back for his comments <laughs> by giving him lovebirds it's, with a strongly yeah. worded card, breaking into his house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the way to do it. My goodness. I, one of the other scenes, though, that stands out to me is the scene where they're in the diner and the guys at the gas station. Yeah. I mean, I watched <laughs> that. I remember seeing that. That's one of the first scenes I remember from initially watching it many, many years ago. Mm. And just, I mean, you see, I mean, you see the, the guy during the explosion in the car. I mean, and I get, I mean, it's a good cut from that to the mannequin or whatever, but man, it was shocking. Yeah. Yeah, that was a still good shocking. Um, and you know that whole scene of the suspense of, oh gosh, the gas is flowing down there, and oh no, that guy's smoking, and you know you could have played it out a little bit longer, but he was like, no, nah, I'm just going to drop this. <laughs> I'm just going to drop this. Button. So, boom. Yeah. Uh, Mitch is rocking cargo pants in '63 too. So ahead of his time. Yeah, wow. ahead of his time. <laughs> Is that, is that good on the birds? Yeah, anybody got some? I think, I mean, I, I'm like you. I think I give it, overall, I give it a thumbs up. It was kind of boring, but, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it was two hours, and it felt like two hours, but, I mean, it was pretty good. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't disappointed that we watched it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who played Mitch? Uh, Rod Taylor. Rod Taylor. Rod. Yeah. With a, with a D. Uh, he was in the time machine. The original Time Machine. Mm. Um, gosh, what a, he he was big time big time actor in the fifties sixties. I thought he was pretty. I thought he was pretty good. I liked him. Yeah. What? Uh, yeah. Who did you say? Who else was driving you crazy, to, Alan? Uh, the uh, the the sister daughter Cartwright. Ron Cartwright. Yes. The the Kathy. Yes. Okay. The little kid. Yeah. The little kid drove me nuts. Okay, is that the the actress's name? Yeah, right. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. She's 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 played an annoying character many many times. <laughs> she does it well. Not, not just in the birds. <laughs> so you know, one thing about the birds too is you think about it, and um, 
coming into the 60s, the 50s was all about, you know, we're afraid of, uh, you know, doomsday and nuclear weapons. And mm -hmm. that's why the, you know, the creature from the Black Lagoon comes out. And then that's why, you know, Godzilla. And then that's why, uh, you know, the attack of the crab monsters and all these movies about these mutated things uh, that are that are uh, maybe a threat to society. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, this is, uh, you know, this is Hitch's um, man versus nature. That's true. And they did, they did plant the tiniest seed of something in when they were in the, the diner and, and they said, you know, something about uh, man, you know, kind of ruining everything and, mm -hmm. and it turning back on him. Right. So a very subtle reasoning without anybody saying this is why they're doing it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But it gives you something to think about. Mm. Like, yeah. But uh, yeah, and I mean, man versus nature movies—they—they're gonna. I mean, that's that's what sci-fi lives on now, right? I mean, they still mm. do it. Uh, everything's a mutated this or that, or everything is, you know, an animal that's just gone mad and is mm. coming coming for you. Shall we travel now to the year 1985? And Todd what? Sheen's pick of Fright Night. What a great year 1985 was, man. That was a great year. year for movies. It really was. Um, I mean, you got Fright Night, which I think probably is my favorite, uh, probably my favorite horror movie of 85. And that, you know, that's a year that includes Return of the Living Dead, uh, Day of the Dead, uh, Romero's Day of the Dead. Um, oh, shoot. Um, Reanimator. I mean, there was a lot of really good movies that came out in 85. Uh, and a lot of solid B movies too, but man, Fright Night, Fright Night is in my top ten of uh, horror movies all time. Mm. Well, shall we? And it's, shall we get a a synopsis? Yeah, one of you, uh, one of you two. I don't synopsize. I've got one ready. Alan's on a roll. Let's hear it. <laughs> First of all, ninety-one percent critics, which is uh, wow. kind of surprised me. Yeah. 76% users on Rotten Tomatoes. So here we go. The synopsis of Fright Night. A pussified wimp who would rather watch his neighbor move in than make sweet love to his girlfriend <laughs> discovers that the new local resident is, in fact, a creature of the night. But rather than do anything about it himself, he enlists the help of his incompetent, annoying friends, the cynical police, and ultimately a washed-up C-list horror actor in his 60s. <laughs> I like it. There you go. That pretty much nails it. Unlike Charlie, he wasn't nailing it. <laughs> no, he was too busy watching him move in uh, furniture. <laughs> oh, Charlie. <laughs> okay, God. so first of all, before we get into positives and negatives, I have a question. So I th there's a theme yeah. developing here between Sheen picks. <laughs> yeah. Uh-oh. Really? Yes. I, they, they have one of two man, things, if not both. They either start out with people trying to have sex, okay, or at some point there's a seemingly inappropriate age relationship. <laughs> this movie had both. What do you what do you what are you saying? I don't know. You 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 have a theme in your in your picks. If we go back to the Greasy Strangler and we go to uh, um, well, that blows everything hard, right there. Halloween three, and this movie, they all incorporate. And Phantasm, which we'll talk about on the next episode. There's a lot of there's a lot of the same sort of stuff going on there, Todd. 
Well, you know, that's just, uh, that's just incidental contact. <laughs> to the point of where, without me even saying anything, we started watching Master of None uh, last night, and the first episode opens up with Aziz and a girl getting it on, and, Todd, and my wife said, did Todd recommend this to you? <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, I would reply, uh, what was the name of that again? I don't <laughs> Master of None. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know right. what you're saying. I know what you're saying. So, uh, thoughts, positives, negatives. What worked for you guys? Uh, can I let me start it off by saying that sure. uh, Chris Sarandon is fantastic. Yep. I mean, I, the biggest yeah. takeaway for me is like not Chris Sarandon and his performance. And the character of Jerry Dandridge were just all, it's just a massive home run to me. And I'm loving everything that's so 1985 about it and how they, <laughs> how they took the character and, and a vampire in a, in a very different direction. I'm guessing nothing like that had been done before. Uh, and he's, he's just so kind of smooth and smarmy. I don't, I don't know, but I was digging it in, in every way. Yeah. Sarandon, man, he was, uh, I mean, you know, there's a lot to love about this, but him, him in that role is got to be the top thing, if not the one or two top things about it, because he does. I mean, you know, like there's a there's a scene where, um, you know, uh, what's the kid's name? Um, oh shoot, Charlie uh, or Charlie? Yeah, my bad, Charlie. Bruce Charlie. Or- Charlie walks in and his, um, uh, you know, he walks in and his mom's in there and she's like, oh, Charlie, the neighbor, the neighbors, the next door neighbor's here. And he turns around and uh, and he's got this incredulous look on his face. And then, you know, Jerry's like, what's wrong, Charlie? You didn't think I'd come over without being invited, did you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. just, I mean, he, he, you know, you go through all the lore that we've learned over the years of vampires, what to do, what what you do, what you don't do. Um, the rules that, um, you know, how they can come in, you know, how, how they, how their, uh, modus operandi is. And he, uh, and he just handles a lot of that stuff that, that way really well. Um, and he's, um, man, he's just, um, he's awesome. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know what else to say. I, I would have loved to seen him do more, you know, maybe another role like that sometime, but he, you know, he, uh, that was probably maybe career defining i think you know for him yeah that and chris and uh, prince humperdinck from <laughs> yeah. oh yes that's yeah. true humperdinck yeah which as soon as i recognized him as prince humperdinck i knew i was gonna love this movie mm-hmm. um and, yeah. and i made a note at one point that chris sarandon has a perpet- perpetual expression of smug amusement <laughs> yeah 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 and, which- and i loved every second of that and also love the eating an apple like all Mm-hmm. Have you ever yeah. seen, like I was talking about this with uh, my son today at lunch. Have you ever seen a character that's eating an apple that doesn't come across as a huge douche? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's perfect. And he's just a vampire. So, you know, yeah. uh, but yeah. And I mean, you notice all through the movie, he's, e- he's eating apples, he's eating oranges and, you know, you think about it and bats love fruit, um, which is kind of a neat touch. Uh, I yeah. thought. He said that his uh, the reason he wanted to do the apple is because most people would just uh, assume that the vampires would come from vampire bats, but he wanted this 
vampire to be in a lineage of fruit bats. <laughs> Bully for you, Chris. Yeah, there you go. Um, I'd also say if if Sarandon is a home run, uh, I want to say Billy Cole is oh, yeah. maybe a triple. Like I really liked, you know, I didn't, I didn't think I was gonna like. Thought he was gonna be an annoying character, but I, at by the end of it, I'm like, you know, Jonathan Stark uh, did a yeah. really good job as Billy Cole, mm-hmm. and and kind of made that character interesting because it could easily have not been. Yeah. Hey, yep. kid. <laughs> kid. Yeah, yeah, he's got very little screen time and very few lines, but he, you know, he makes the most of, of all of them. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he was and he he was almost he almost provided more menace than uh, than Jerry at times, you know. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, he did. You know, Jerry was so calm and suave and everything, and and you know. He wasn't. He was, you know, he was just that he's that ghoul caretaker character that has to always be, you know, looking out over Jerry and his and his crypt and everything. Um, yeah, both both really good characters. Um, Evil Ed, of course. Now, hold there's, on. Is it too obnoxious? Too are, obnoxious? Are you are yeah. you li- are you going to list him in the positives of this movie? Yeah, no, before, I, I said I said Evil Ed, and I said too obnoxious. Before we get to Evil Ed, let, let me talk about how much I loved Roddy McDowell yeah. too, because Evil Ed's going to take this thing on a different turn. <laughs> yeah, for me. <laughs> but man, I I thought Roddy McDowell was awesome too, and uh, I, <clears throat> I love that they that um, I, I thought that he did a great job playing the the wimpy dude trying to look strong and never really did, um, mm-hmm. and. I, I, another another moment where I was like, "Gosh, this this is good stuff." Is uh, when they first showed him doing his Fright Night uh, television show, and he's he's uh, going to stab the vampire, and he's got the stake turned around backwards in the yeah, face, right? And that just cracked me up, man. Yeah, I, I love that whole that that's a big part of what I love too was just the fact that they were you know they they basically did a movie within a movie there mm-hmm. and you know dressed it to the nines to look like a Hammer movie from the sixties and seventies and and getting Roddy McDowell who although I don't know that he was in any Hammer movies he did a lot of you know seventies gothic horror stuff mm. so he was I mean. He might not have been a vampire hunter back then, but he's played roles in that kind of uh, in those kind of films. And then just to see him as that aged uh, character um, who obviously, you know, doesn't uh, doesn't necessarily believe in what he you know, what he was doing on screen. Right. Um, but yeah, he was checks. Yeah, he was perfect. I mean, the fact that what somebody paid him to go over to Jerry's house to do 50 the bucks or something or five, 50 bucks or 500 bucks or something. And he jumped all right. over it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, the, I mean, and that was great too. Cause you know, you, you know, the, the holy water and Jerry's like, this is blessed by a priest, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, just, you know, yeah. and just that whole thing. I mean, I, I just, I, yeah, Roddy, Roddy was a great, great part. Now I did mention Stephen Jeffries, um, Evil Ed, who a lot of people, right. and I mean a lot of people, think he—I mean he's one of the favorite, their favorite parts of it. Oh, just, we're just icing on the cake for the for the movie. And just for the record, we're transitioning now. If if we're right. gonna, if we're talking <laughs> Evil Ed, 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're going into things we didn't like about it because I that that was the negative I came. I mean, if I had to point to one negative about this movie, it was Evil Ed and everything about him. I'm right with you. I loved everything, loved everything about Jerry Dandridge, and on the exact opposite end yeah. of the spectrum, <laughs> Evil Ed is the absolute worst, the worst. How did he so get this bad. part? I want to see the other auditions. Yeah, like how did this happen? Well, I mean, there were people that wanted him in, you know, the sequel when they when they did the sequel, I guess, back in, I guess, three years later in 88. Um, a lot, you know, Roddy McDowell came back, uh, Charlie uh, Brewster, um, the character, the actor that played Charlie Brewster came back. And they wanted Evil Ed back because, I mean, that's one of those you know, that kind of ended with a, you know, the movie kind of ends with, oh, is he, is he still around or isn't he? And they ended up, you know, he, I think they had a contract dispute, if you can imagine that. Wow. And he would, he wouldn't agree to it or something. They wouldn't, he wouldn't take what it, what they were offering him or something. So they ended up going with somebody, you know, that was, they were trying to go with that same kind of really gonzo personality, uh, one character for the gonzo personality. Uh, which which was the guy that played uh, Laszlo Hollyfield and Uncle Rico in Napoleon Dynamite. He plays that that role, which is actually a werewolf, I think, in the second movie. But um, yeah, I, I'm I'm kind of torn. I don't think Evil Ed was a strength, but it definitely, when you think of Fright Night, and especially if you know when you watched it way back then, that's a big that's that's one of the things you do remember. Um, I'm not saying it's the greatest thing. I feel like that's a hundred percent nostalgia. I feel like that's all sentimental memories for cause coming in on this thing fresh. There's nothing redeeming about that character for me. Nothing. I wrote down, get rid of evil. And this movie is automatically 30% better. (laughs) (laughs) Automatic. (laughs) I, I don't disagree at all. So you, you might even be lowballing that. You didn't like his death scene when he was uh, turned into a wolf, and no, oh my gosh, the only thing he did good, the only thing he did well at all, the actor is when he was, uh, I think, be, getting ready to be turned into a vampire, and he was like worried, and like you know, when he was playing straight, mm-hmm. he was okay. Yeah, uh, and that you know that was for what like two minutes out of the movie he he, he was right. he wasn't too bad when he was like scared, but yeah. all the rest of the time was was painful, painful. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you don't have to be afraid, Ed. Yeah, I mean the way and the way going back to Jerry, I mean the way he handled those scenes. Mm-hmm. You know, you're a vampire and you can do whatever you want. And he's kind of trying to. He's trying to smooth it over with him, you know, with her, with with him as well as um, or uh, Charlie's girlfriend later on, and so I, you know, just little touches like that for me, yeah, uh, were what you know, because it was it was a horror and there was a lot of comedy that was that was interlaced in that, and I thought and I thought really worked well. I think it it doesn't it works well the way it was. I don't think you can. I don't think you could take the comedy out of it or the majority of the comedy out of it and still be the same movie because it has that to me is what Fright Night is because there was, you know, there's a lot, there's the horror in it, but, uh, you know, underneath it all, it's really, you know, it's a comedy, dark comedy. Yeah. If you took, uh, 
I feel like there's like a crossover and like the kid from the karate kid, Cobra Kai kid that was screaming about put somebody in a body bag, put him in a body mm-hmm. bag, Johnny. <laughs> I, feel, yeah. I feel like that's the same character and he got bit by, you know, like he, he knows him. Daniel LaRusso knows him and he goes to the same high school and yeah, he knows Charlie and I feel like it's this kid. Like, and if that kid got bit, then that's what you're getting. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, Okay, yep. what, what? I thought the uh, effects were were pretty cool for 85. Yeah. Like, uh, a lot of that stuff looked great. And it's the same dude that did Ghostbusters, right? Richard it, Edlund, I read. Richard Edlund did some of the effects. Uh, I'm trying to think. I think Tom Berman did some of them. Um, I mean, they had a lot of effects houses mm-hmm. as, 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 as movies like that. They were really he- practical effects heavy. They would have, you know, probably – four or five different studios that were working with them, working on different pieces because they had to, to, you know, to get it all turned around. But yeah, I think, uh, I think Edlin was doing, uh, you know, a lot of the, you know, some of those optical effects like there at the end with the bat and everything. Yeah. I mean, that really, really for 85. Yeah. 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 And I, I mean, it makes me, I long for practical effects Mm -hmm. because man, it's just so hard to watch. I mean, everything's mm-hmm. CG, and it's just so, you know, you just don't feel like there's anything there. It's just all green screened, and you know, there's, you know, there's no, there's no mess to clean up when you're mm-hmm. done shooting. You know, technically, it's all good, and it looks good, and direction is good, and yep. I'm really starting to miss the establishing shots uh, from mm-hmm. the '80s of. <laughs> you know, slow dollies through people's rooms and just seeing, you know, like the the back to the future shots of you seeing what's in Doc's, you know, garage and, and, and this one through his bedroom and, and like, and, and slow jibs up to the, the, uh, window into the TV. And yeah, you start moving through his room. I really, I miss that shot. You don't get Mm -hmm. it anymore. Yeah. And did it, did anybody recognize the, uh, you know Charlie's neighborhood. I mean, that's a that's a big time uh, back. You know, studio backlot that street. Uh, I'm trying to think what else it's been used in. Um, the Burbs. Uh, it may have. It looks like it looks like the Kinda, same yeah. neighborhood, and that and that was obviously that was also the same neighborhood from Leave It to Beaver. Nice. Uh, the one for the Burbs. Wow. So Look anyway, but. Uh, 85, that was a great year, like I said, for horror. I saw this movie at the end, the tail end of 85. Um, I think I saw I saw that. Uh, we saw two movies that one day, and that was that was like the movie we saw first, and then we saw Return of the Living Dead later. Uh, and, man, both of those movies were just, you know, classics. Um, and, you know, Friday Night's one of those. I mean, I remember... I was uh, I was still at home, and then I went, I, you know, moved down to Bowling Green to go to a Western for the first time, and went to see it down there and talk, told people about it, and they were like, "I never heard of Fright Night," and so they go mm-hmm. and see it, and yeah, tr- just man, just an awesome flick. It's one of yeah. those. It's there's a lot of nostalgia uh, about it for me, but you know, watching it again the other night is just it still holds up. It's, yeah, uh, I can't it, believe I'd never seen it. It's just sort of in my wheelhouse of stuff that I I love from the '80s, and I can't believe I've never seen it. Yeah, um, I wrote a question down for Todd in my notes. I wrote yeah. a question down for both of you all, so let's let's get to these. Uh, why did all teenagers act like this in the '80s? <laughs> yeah, like, Todd, like evil. <laughs> did it, we're, oh, we're, yeah. we're like two out of three 
of all your friends act like evil because I feel like every <laughs> 80s movie teenagers are manic and just right. <laughs> well let's face it then. so why did you think, all act like that I don't think Ritalin was as prescribed <laughs> uh, I'll be honest I mean um, you know you've got to for, for this for it to stand out you're looking you're looking for those different character types and for whatever reason, the, when the guy that the guy that played uh, Ed, I mean, he just you know was he loud, for it, and didn't he? Loud he and brash, really and I mean, just swung for the fence every single <laughs> yeah, time. Did. Totally, totally obnoxious, and maybe that's I, I guess maybe that's what the director was looking for, just that yeah. you know, because Charlie's such a kind of introvert and um you know, kind of nerdy and, and then Ed's probably, you know, you can see Ed's probably been his friend since junior high and they were maybe had more in common back then. And now they're just kind of drifting apart because Ed, Ed could never get a woman. And, um, and Charlie finally did. Maybe, I don't know. And I wonder if there was some kind of acting school in the eighties that was just cranking out like your, your Charlie's and your (laughs) Billy from the gremlins and, you know, your dark haired. Yeah. Yeah. In yeah. nerds yeah. who aren't popular. Yeah. Yeah. And and then and then there was another one that had uh uh Eva Led and Crispin Glover going to that one. <laughs> uh, so yeah, they hung out together. I read that they uh I read they wanted Charlie Sheen for that role and like he wasn't nerdy enough. So, oh, for Charlie Brewster. For Brewster, yeah. So yeah, he was a victim of I his sh- own of his own good looks there. Yeah, I mean that, and that would have been the time too, because I mean that was that was about the time he had just he had done Red Dawn the year before mm-hmm. and was getting ready to do um, Ferris. Yeah, even though it's part, you know. But so. yeah, but Holland uh, Holland said he, he wasn't believable as the nerdy the nerdy guy. Yeah. So he went. And no I, you know, I, I don't think looking at that and and seeing what Ragsdale did, I don't think I don't think that uh, I don't think Charlie Sheen could pull that off. I don't think you could add no. enough. It would have been different. Um, yeah, it would have been different. Okay, so here's that my question tiger, to you all. Tiger blood, man. That tiger blood tiger goes blood, okay. He's winning. Uh, okay, so did either one of you all own a vest in or around 1985 as a fashion statement? Never did. Todd, did you? Uh, I had a vest that was uh, specifically uh, denoted for winter uh, snow snow events. Uh, like sleigh riding, yeah. Well, um, man, in a when never, it, never to be worn in front of women. <laughs> when these movies come up in a time capsule in a, in, in thousands of years, they're going to think everybody, everybody wore. was on LSD and everybody <laughs> wore nautical vests. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just all around town. Yeah, McFly. Yeah, McFly, man, big uh, time. Obviously, the king of the vest. And Brewster was wearing was sporting yeah. one throughout this thing. So, his looked like his looked to be swayed though, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, maybe it was. Before, um, go ahead. I was just going to say, Amy, uh, Amy Peterson, Amanda. Beerson, <laughs> so, that's what I was going to say. Before we clear clean this thing out, let's talk, Amy. Let's talk, Amy. Um, I was first introduced to her as Marcy Darcy. Yeah, Marcy Darcy. The, I, she kind of creeped me out, and made me feel a little bit icky when I was a kid watching Mary with Children, and I could not get that out of my brain. Yeah. And I was hoping, praying to God, I was not going to have to see her boobs. Because <laughs> that would have really messed me up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wrote down with a big star beside it. Her, 
underlying question mark. Like he's taken in by Marcy Darcy. Marcy Darcy. <laughs> like that's who yeah, he, he can't. He has to have. I don't know. I mean, maybe she's cute or whatever, but I can't see her other than Marcy Darcy. Yeah, who was. It yeah. just went all through me from Married with Children. <laughs> yeah. Now, now let me let me Same ask you a question. Speaking of Marcy Darcy, so obviously Amy has a short haircut, and then for whatever reason she's going through the change, and her hair turns into long curly <laughs> right, long right, mm-hmm. and then goes back after, to short after Jerry's destroyed, and, and she she reverts back from vampirism. She goes back to the short you know, uh, Pat Benatar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a uh, vampire magic is a strong thing, Todd. Yeah. Can make, make hair so. shrink, can make hair. What? Uh, regress, ungrow. I don't know what you call it. <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. I just, I, you know, I, I noticed that that's one of those things. I'm like, okay, I guess it could happen, but you know, <laughs> didn't make a lot of sense know. to me either. It yeah. doesn't make a lot of sense. So, Anyway, and uh, by the way, the director, Tom Holland, uh, also, let's see, it was 85. Three years later, directs uh, Child's Play and introduces Chucky to the world. Mm. Oh, good grief. Um, and he's Thanks not. Thanks for that, Tom. He's not. He's not I'm actually, you know, you go back and watch the first Child's Play. It's actually really good. I think it holds up. Um, uh, Sarandon is in that as, uh, as the cop. Oh, uh, I don't remember cop. that. Yeah. Wow. Um, so, you know, it, it's one of those because you didn't see, I mean, Chucky wasn't walking around spouting one liners the whole time. Yeah. You didn't see him move a whole lot. So it was like, is this really happening? And then when it does happen, you know, it, it does have a little bit of a shock. So even though there's seven or eight Chucky movies, the first one really was well done. And like I said, you know, Holland did a good job with that too. I was, I was making a face, uh, to you all because I, now I know at a, upcoming force watch it's going to be child's play because it's on the front of todd's brain now and uh, it won't be i can promise you okay. child's play will not be one of them. okay good my last note on fright night uh mm-hmm. is that roddy mcdowell is not breaking a door down <laughs> in any universe it's not happening <laughs> even on his even after an adrenaline rush in old house on his eighth try you yeah. don't think it's happening no, at half speed no uh-uh. <laughs> all right fair enough and um one other thing fright night they remade i don't know however many years ago maybe five or six years ago remade it um charlie brewster was played by the late anton yelchin who i thought did a good job in that but the peter vincent character uh, was reimagined, and it's the guy that played one of the Doctor Who's. I can't think of the guy's name. He's the one that's kind of skinny with the black hair. Uh, was in one, was in the Harry Potter movie. The guy that, uh, oh gosh, Barty Crouch Jr. or something like that. I think mm-hmm. he was in it. Uh, he plays Peter Vincent, who's now like this extreme uh, magician, a la Chris Angel, mm-hmm. and you know. A lot of people really like the new Fright Night, and they, you know, and Colin Farrell played Jerry. Uh, I just, it, I didn't, I didn't buy it. I mean, it was okay. It wasn't the worst movie I've seen, but this is just one of those that you know, you can't, you can't emulate it. And when you try to reboot no. it, and then you start, you know, you try, you make it for a modern audience, and then, you know, all these changes with cast and setting and everything else, to me, just takes away the 
the fact that you know the first one was so special. Yeah, and Saranen's got so much screen presence, and yeah. as much as I like yeah. Yelchin, you know, that's not. You're totally changing yeah. the character. You, that's, uh, I don't know. It would take somebody with so much uh, gravity, gravitas, that to uh, to pull that off. To me, to come even close to you know, I, mm-hmm. I would be intimidated by pick, playing that part because it's to me it doesn't get nearly enough credit in the pantheon of you know good characters and and well done. Yeah. Yeah. So we Overall, can all agree, though, that Friday Night 1985 is good stuff. I was pleasantly surprised. I will I will freely admit. Are we moving on to The Strangers? Let's do this. 2008, this was my pick. The Strangers, 45% on Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> from critics, 47% for users. You know what? That, that, number, that number to me, honestly, I, I mean, and I hadn't looked it up in a while, but... That I don't think that's accurate. I think that's one of those that if it wasn't so in the hole, mm. another ten years, I think people would go back, watch it, and look at it differently, and maybe and take it differently. Because honestly, that when I think about the last, and I mean we're coming up next year will be the ten year reunion of when mm. it came out, and when I look back the last ten years, that movie probably stands out of horror movies that stands mm-hmm. out probably as much as anything, you know, up to this year with, you know, you talking about it and things like that. But in the last 10 years, I mean, that's one that I would definitely put on a list. You want to hear a synopsis? Yes. <laughs> yep. All right. Two incompetent 20 somethings give a masterful tutorial on what not to do in the occurrence of a home invasion. <laughs> so let's get into it. <laughs> Why? Why? I, I thought you were going to put something in there to the effect of, "Here's what you don't do when you're going to ask somebody to marry you." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, oh my gosh, that some of that stuff was pretty painful, wasn't it? Um, it was. That was that was almost as painful. Yeah, as it was. it was hard. That was rough. Poor, uh, poor James, getting yeah. shot down by Aerosmith's daughter. <laughs> Um, okay, so, so uh, what what worked for you guys in this one? Not everybody at once. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll tell you what I'll tell you what works for me, and that is um, what I like is that they went um, uh, suspense first. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not a lot of bloodshed. There's there's a few scenes where you know you see some of the sticky stuff you you see you know like the after effects of some things, but a lot of what's going on is what what you think is going on, right. what's going to happen, and it's just that whole. I'll 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 say that the the suspense uh, and the the working of the suspense in this movie is kind of similar to uh, Halloween, the original Halloween. Because mm-hmm. you don't see a lot of anything bad happen. It's just the whole idea of something bad's going to happen, right? And when's it going to happen? Mm-hmm. And these people are obviously behind it. Right. Uh, so for me, I thought the thing that worked well is that it is a very suspenseful movie. Mm-hmm. Probably the reason it sticks with me 10 years later. 
Um, and I'll have a story a little bit later. <laughs> I think I've probably shared with you before, but I'll, I'll share it again uh, to our loyal listeners uh, out go. there. Michiwa. And um, the uh, so, I, you know, suspense, man, is for me with a horror movie. Suspense is is. Uh, if you mm-hmm. if you can deliver yeah. that uh, without having, you know, without going torture, this movie easily. If you look at it, if you looked at it, you could easily say, oh, that's going to be a t- torture porn in the in mm-hmm. the you know, in the saw kind of vein. Mm-hmm. Uh, or something like that and or hostile or something and you know and it doesn't go that route i can see how you you would think that it does have a 70s vibe to it mm-hmm. um but uh yeah to me suspense man and 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 let's face it well very well cast yeah positives uh shooting his, the the whole scene shooting his friend uh with the shotgun hold up in the room is it's pretty awful and well done like it you know and and the psychology of the whole thing and that making sense of why that would happen and uh you know that it's kind of inevitable and and uh i thought that was well done and 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 awful in in the best way that it could be yeah. um and on that note, I, the always sunny in Philadelphia guy, like yeah. even though he's so like you know it's just such a small bit, I came away thinking he should get some you know some looks from some serious movies like some, some indies stuff, yeah. or yeah I think he could do that I think he could do you know be in some dramas and some indie stuff, um so yeah I, I, I think, think he's the, got a chance to be in the it's always sunny in Philadelphia movie. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> I, I liked. Um. I, I thought that the reason that it stuck with me. Um. Uh, and I haven't watched it since it first came out. This is the first time I probably watched it in ten years, nine years. Um. But I thought it did a good job of creating, like, kind of like Todd said, but it created a lot of tension. Mm-hmm. Like you knew that dude was going to get shot. You knew exactly what was going to happen, and you still like it. Still kind of kept you right there at the edge. Um, that first shot when we see the dude in the mask standing behind Liv Tyler mm. wasn't it wasn't a jump scare. Mm-hmm. You just you all of a sudden you notice him and he's just standing there and it was still like it was still creepy. Yeah. I thought they did some good stuff making mm-hmm. stuff scary without yeah jumping out at you or doing big loud stingers or whatever. Yeah. The sad thing is they do both because they yeah, re- they really yeah. nail some and then they do too many jump scares. Right, uh, but right. yeah, like shots of like the girl, you know, when the girl first comes to the door and, and is asking for Tabitha or, or whoever, Tamara, uh, Tam- Tamara, yeah, Tamara, that, yeah, uh, that's scary. And just the way she's, you know, the way she's talking and, and mm-hmm. just kind of the, like building the tension and it's slow and uh, that's scary. Then you realize she unscrewed the lights to make it dark out yeah, there. Yeah. Yeah. The shot of her when they, you know, they open, like look out the window and she's kind of far off out there, just standing there, you know, that sort of stuff that, you know, could easily be real. Like, you know, and you can put yourself in Mm -hmm. your house, like dealing with that, all that stuff. Yeah. Was really scary. Anytime you put yourself in that position and and it seems like something that could really happen. uh, That stuff was scary. Yeah. And it's kind of like Todd said with the birds is like, it was just, these people were just being mean for the sake of being mean. There was no rhyme or reason to it, which is terrifying. They had no reason to do it. They just, they, they, she asked her, why are you doing this? And the girl said, because you were home. Mm -hmm. 
Like that 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 line to me was uh, kind of hit. Mm-hmm. Um, and that part where she's in the closet watching him roam around, hoping he doesn't see her. Um, you know, all that tension building stuff was pretty good. Uh, and- also, the soundtrack I liked a lot. Oh gosh, yeah. Tom, Tom and Andy. I mean, and really more, more like uh, atmospheric stuff. Not not mm-hmm. music, but just kind of atmospheric uh, droning noise and background noise that just kind of creates this this sense of dread. Um, yeah. The talking about the the Tamara character that's that's there on the on the porch and you know that she undoes the light bulb. Um, the thing that I took away from that, and maybe it's just me reading into it, but she comes and, you know, she knocks on the door and they come and, and she, uh, and she says, is, is Tamara home? Um, and they're like, no. And then she says, are you sure? Mm-hmm. And then they're like, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure. And so what I got from that, just from that little exchange was that, these three strangers that are, you know, are, are masterminding this vicious attack is that they were talking and they said, okay, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go up there and you're going to knock on the door and you're going to ask for Tamara. And if Tamara's there, then we're going to get in the truck and we're going to leave and we're going to, mm-hmm. we're going to go to the next town. But if Tamara doesn't live there, if there's no Tamara there, then we have to go through and do this thing. And so that's what I got from that scene. And, and like I said, maybe maybe that's not the way it was meant, but just the whole idea of they're playing this twisted game that is just, I mean, it's they're pure psychopaths that, to be able to pull this off. And the fact that they're doing it based on, okay, is there somebody in this house that's name starts with a T? Then, mm-hmm. we're, then we're, if, if, if so, we'll leave. Everything's mm-hmm. great. Um, but that's, that, that's what, that's what creeped me out that, and that line, that line of, because you were home. I mean, that's that just right there. I mean, this isn't, we're not talking about a supernatural group of killers here. We're talking right. about people that are breaking into houses. Um, uh, and, and, you know, the, the way the, the way the story set up is this is a vacation home, right? A summer home. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's an old ranch style house. It looks like it's decorated from the sixties or the seventies. So they don't live there full time. So, you know, maybe a lot of the other houses in that neighborhood are the same way. They're vacation homes and nobody's been around there for a while. So it's, there's that feeling of isolation and all that, that, that mm-hmm. plays into it too. It's just kind of creepy and freaky for me. Yeah. So do we want to get into the stuff that did not work? Uh, cause I got a list. <laughs> Or out on your own movie. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, like I said, this was 10. And maybe yeah. some of this stuff wasn't the case when I first watched it, but now it's there's so many tropes and mm-hmm. stuff that maybe yeah. maybe I've just seen it so many times since then. Then I go back and watch this. It's like, well, did this happen before these things? I don't know. Uh, I'm not going to pick on all the stupid mistakes that the characters, you know, that you get every t- from all these movies. And, you know, when, when they're uh, being hunted down by some killer and cause this one's got plenty. Uh, so, mm-hmm. you know, well, I, I take that back. I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick on one. He, he throws a chair at the guy while they're chopping the door down and he's got a shotgun and, yeah. and probably could have ended it right there. If you just stuck yeah. the shotgun out yeah. the, the big hole yeah. in the door. Waited a little too late on that one. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, I've got a few of those myself. Like, and that's why I said in my in the in the synopsis was they they everything you probably instinctively wouldn't do these people did. Right. Um, like just leaving their phones laying around. Uh, she didn't put on shoes when he said, "Let's grab your stuff and go." She didn't put on shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, they left the knife laying laying. Uh, they when he said, like they got together and then he said. Okay, you stay here. I'm gonna go out there and like what would you do that? Would you leave her in the house and then you go out there with the gun? <laughs> right. When when uh, they've clearly you already know they've been coming in and out of the house willy nilly, like exactly. anytime they they've want to. They've got all the entrances covered. Like they can come and go as they please and you have no idea where they're at. So you stay in here and I'm gonna go out there by myself. <laughs> uh the guy that they shot in the head, when he came in the house, he wouldn't have said hello. Right. Anybody like I gave them the benefit of the doubt on that one just because maybe he's so freaked out what the heck is going on out there like I'm scared to say mm-hmm. you know so I gave I gave them some credit on that one well then after they shot him they didn't even check to see if he had a phone which he did <laughs> yeah that, yeah that's bad yeah like he he just called the dude so we knew he had a phone on him and yeah uh, yeah, so that that stuff bothered me on the second run through. Um, so my problem, I'm with you all on. I'm okay with this being like an and uh, a random act of violence type of situation, like luck of the draw, roulette. You're the house we stopped at, and and we're gonna mess with you. I'm I'm okay with all that. What I'm not okay with is that they're screwing with these people with seal team precision (laughs) (laughs) like it is i mean it is to the second like they've got i feel like they've got watches on they're all synchronized (laughs) you're coming out this door i'm going in that one like they're doing silent hand codes out in the yard yeah yeah it's amazing how well and how efficient they are at, at messing with these people yeah, <laughs> and uh, and they operate like they're like they know they're in a movie, you yeah. know, because it's like yeah. you sneak up behind somebody, and then you disappear for no reason before they even see you. The, yeah, like, why would you do that? Like, yeah, and they do the puppy dog head tilt in the mask. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unless you know, like you're being filmed. Like, why are you doing some of this stuff? <laughs> and and he makes it pretty clear at the end that this is the first time they've done it. Yeah. So it's not like they're they're seasoned veterans at at messing with people in their house because he says it'll it'll be easier the next time. Yeah. I like, don't oh, know. That was pretty easy. Well, see what I get. What I got from that is it's. <laughs> it's the girl with the blonde hair's first time and maybe the other the two other, are the guy and the other, her in. The other gal maybe they maybe they've done this for years uh and maybe they've done it multiple times and they're and they are stealthy and may, and part of the game is is the the um the you know the mental torture that they're putting on these people they're they're standing out in the middle of the of the yard or they're sitting on a swing and then they know, you know, maybe they see, okay, somebody's, you know, somebody's, somebody's caught, made eye contact with me and then they get up and leave. My, I think the only point I have left on the strangers is that it, it very much felt like in some parts that this could have been a feature we went to see at a film festival. Like it, mm-hmm. in spots, 
had that feeling of, you know, like I recognized it so much uh, from something we see at festivals and just kind of like the technically feeling amateur here and there and like maybe they didn't have the shots they needed and you cover it with this and that and you go to you go a little bit of slow motion here and that when it's not shot in slow motion and and the whole opening sequence really felt like a an indie yeah you know with With the the proposal stuff and all that yeah and driving by the houses and and those shots and 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 yeah uh fading up and down from black to like houses they're passing that are kind of in slow motion and also dipping up and out of audio of the truck for some reason. It's like, man, this, this, you know, it just, it felt a little, I mean, for the most part, it's fine. It's, it's, you know, but it, it definitely, it, it was young in somebody's, uh, professional directing career. That seemed obvious. Yeah. Yeah, the guy. I mean, the guy that the guy that wrote it. Uh, I think he wrote it, sold it, and then whoever was supposed to direct it backed out, and then it was already greenlit. And he got uh, they. He basically said, "Well, look, you know, I wrote it. Let me direct it." Good for him. I mean, yeah, yeah. It suffered a little bit because of that, I'm sure. But uh, he he did a you know he did more than a fine job, and you know it didn't yeah. ki- it didn't kill it by any means. But you could just tell that it was, yeah, it was, it was early going. It was early days in somebody's directing career. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you one thing I really thought, uh, paced it though. Uh, the, not only the soundtrack by Tom and Andy, which like I said, was more, um, more atmospheric than anything else, but you know, playing these, playing these 45s and these long plays on an old record player, and then the songs that they chose, you know, I mean, Mama Tried by Merle mm-hmm. Haggard and The Strangers, I might add. Um, the uh, the other, there were a couple other songs. Um, you know, there was one, uh, the one by the girl, I can't think of her name. Uh, she plays the harp, uh, married to Samberg. Um, that song. And then the other one, uh, the one where it's skipping while mm-hmm. there's an attack going on. That's, I mean, that was, that was well choreographed the, the, using those, using those old, you know, records and, and also giving yourselves more of a timelessness because although they did have cell phones, when was this? I mean, uh, I, I can't remember who said it best is, you know, okay, if you want, if you want your movie to have a, you know, a seventies feel to it, get an old, uh, get an old style Volvo, Volvo car um, and have, uh, you know, have some, uh, have, you know, have a ranch house and, and some dial phones in the background and, you know, you're good to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought they, you know, setting was good. You know, it, you felt like you were in an old house, you yeah. know, uh, an old vacation house where, where, not everything, you're not sure where everything is, you know? Is it a massive continuity mistake to put her back in the nightgown when they've got her tied up? Or is that like maybe a scene got cut out where they, you know, tell her to put that back on? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That was, that was, yeah, that was weird too. And she, all of a sudden she didn't have the, I noticed she didn't have the bandage on her hand. Like mm-hmm. when he wraps his tie around her hand when it's all cut up and, and all of a sudden she doesn't have it anymore. Yeah. So yeah, I wonder if some stuff got cut. If it did, I know there wasn't there wasn't any deleted scenes on the on the 
on the mm. physical release. Uh, I mean, there were, I think there was like maybe two, two scenes that equaled maybe a minute and they were both dialogue scenes. Mm. So it's nothing, n- nothing that I know of. I didn't, I didn't hear about any, you know, scenes that were cut or trimmed. And, yeah. You know, and it wouldn't be shocking for somebody who's a rookie to, you know, shoot that right. scene first and, yeah, and, and kind of switch gears in the middle of it, and and like, and you're like, oh, when you get done, like, uh, oh, that's not gonna work. Oh, uh, maybe people won't notice. But one thing about this movie is, for the most part, it was shot chronologically. Mm. So, no excuse for that, dude. Yeah. So eat that, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I was I was hoping he'd say that. <laughs> so, uh, eat it. Gotcha. <laughs> I was ready to pounce. Just, oh, you knew it all along, and you were just waiting. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was, was going to wait for you to say something. Could, could, say just anything. waiting for hoping somebody would say something about shooting in first. Say, I wasn't going to say anything about chronological until you. Until you <laughs> right there. Just <laughs> leaving that one holstered. It's set up in the barrel. Um. <laughs> I was going to rail on how much Liv Tyler's voice drove me nuts in this, the mm. way she talked, but then I found out she had tonsillitis through the entire mm. um, shooting, so then I gave her a break on that. Because I don't remember her voice being like that in, in the Hulk or Armageddon or anything, but, uh, yeah. God, just that whispery stuff just drives me nuts. But then, I mean, if you got tonsillitis, what are you going to do? Right. Um, overall, I'm the one that recommended this movie. I remember liking it a lot better than I actually did. Like oh, when I watched it back the second time, it wasn't. It, I didn't like it as much as I did the first. I still liked it, just not as much as I remembered liking it. It's always a letdown, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, let, let me just say this: I saw this. Um, I think I saw this the week after Henry was born. I went to see it uh, in a matinee show in Danville. This movie uh, was originally supposed to come out, I believe, in like 2007. It had like two or three release dates and it kept getting bumped. Um, and it ended up coming out in May of, uh, 2009, uh, 2008. And so I went to see it in Danville. Uh, we lived at the other house on Lexington Avenue. And I just remember going to see it and coming out in the afternoon in the broad daylight. And I was looking around. (laughs) So it, it stuck with me. Yeah. One of those that does, it does stick with you. Um, uh, I don't know how much later it might've been a couple of weeks, maybe a month. Um, but I remember, uh, being asleep in our house on Lexington Avenue and then, uh, probably two, two or three in the morning awakening to the sound mm. of an explosion, mm. uh, which turned out to be a, um, um, transformer, a transformer. Thank you. Thank you. LaBeouf. It's always, uh, it's always a transformer. It's always a transformer. <laughs> But the one had one had blown around the corner on Maple Avenue, so all the lights from Lexington mm-hmm. Avenue down to probably Fifth Street, and then everywhere I could see north and you know up and down Maple Avenue, everything was dark. No lights, no moonlight, no mm-hmm. starlight because it was overcast. I remember going outside because I had you know we I couldn't even it was so dark I couldn't see in our bedroom. Uh, fortunately, Grace had left, um, a Harry Potter light up wand (laughs) in our room and it was right there. So I used that. I went downstairs and checked on everything just to make sure everything was okay. And it was, I remember walking down the front steps of the house, right to the corner of Lexington Avenue, which, you know, 
most of the time during the day is very busy, dangerous street. But I remember walking down to the, you know, just to the edge of the street and looking left and right up the street and down. Hmm. And it was just this quiet, calm stillness, no noise at all. Um, and no lights except for maybe like one blinking caution light way down at fifth street. I could see that, but nothing else. Uh, the house across the street, somebody had, I guess, gotten up and had a actually had a burning candle in the window. Mm. Um, and all I could think of was I'm going to look, I'm going to turn my head to the right and look up at the corner of Maple Avenue and Lexington Avenue. And those three characters are going to walk around the corner, <laughs> walking down my street. Yeah, that would be freaky. Because, um, I mean, I was a little discombobulated getting up at two or three in the morning to the sound of an exploding transformer. Um, but that's that's my uh, post-stranger story. All I want is video of Todd Sheen walking carefully down the stairs, holding a wand. With, in his boxer shorts. With the Lumos spell. Yeah, <laughs> and I know, I know you were holding it as you're supposed to hold a wand, like yeah, you know, like they could, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was ready to use the killing curse if needed. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, my son is kind of the the same way. He refuses to. I like was talking to him that we were going to talk about this movie, and he refuses to watch it. Uh, Aram refuses to watch it now because it freaked him out so bad the first time he saw it. He won't watch it anymore. <laughs> Well, now I, I had that I had that same kind of thing. I remember watching it the first time in the theater, watching it again on video, and then I remember I just remember being nervous to watch it again. Mm. Um, and the fact that you know, okay, who's gonna? Because I mean, I, Blythe's not gonna watch it. So if I watch it, I'm gonna have to watch it by myself, <laughs> or, or go up and watch it with Scott because I know he'll watch it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, so that I've, I've had a, there's been a couple movies like that where I've felt nervous to watch it mm. and I, and I can't remember the, I can't remember the other title, but it was, you know, that's usually something that's maybe a little more realistic, something that could possibly happen. So, so let's put a bow on our night of terror. Let's do it. Let's, uh, let's see if we can r- come to a consensus and rank these things. Are we, are we going to do it by movie or, Take turns and, and rank all three. Uh, let's take turns and rank all three. Okay. And I don't mind going first. Um, I, easily, Fright Night was my favorite of these three. It's not even close. Um, and then, honestly, I'll go The Birds and then Strangers. All right. I'll go. I'll, mine, ne- mine last. That's how humble I am. <laughs> I'll go next, and congratulations, Todd Sheen, uh, on your pick because I'll go Fright Night number one again, also uh, by a landslide, and yeah, I'll go probably the birds and then the strangers. Um, uh, as a caveat, I'll say the birds probably technically. If you made me say what's the better movie, I might say the birds, but what's more entertaining and what did I enjoy the most? by far fright night so yeah yeah i I think that's a great that's a great way to put it because it is very it is a very enjoyable movie it's got it's got thrills and laughs and i mean it's got some great performances uh and it's just you know it's i would i would call it a popcorn movie because it's just that's what it is it's entertainment 
And, you know, you don't have to think a whole lot about it, but I mean, there's some really good performances in there by people that, uh, you know, have been acting for a while and just, you know, they really bring it. So, um, I'm going to, I'm going to put Fright Night at the top. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to probably be the jerk here, but I'll probably put mm. Strangers 2. Wow. Just, and, mm. and the reason, and the reason is because. I don't mind it. It's my be, pick. You're not hurting me. <laughs> because you hate Hitchcock. Because you, you think Hitchcock is a fraud and we get it. Yeah, we hear you. <laughs> well, you, you heard it, America. There's no reason for me to talk. Scott knows everything. <laughs> Good, good night. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> oh, uh, well, what, what you don't know is that third is actually the greasy strangler. <laughs> and the birds didn't even rank. <laughs> oh, no. I, here's the thing. I, I, what the, I guess I'm, I'm the reason I'm putting it. I'm putting that number two is just maybe because of the impact and how it stick, how it stuck with me. 10 years um and is it you know it's not a is it groundbreaking no uh it's just one of those like i said it's just i guess it came at the right time uh this you know and and just the way it was the way it was directed and yeah it was a little you know it was a little amateurish there's parts of it and that's to be expected from a first time director but it just had you know i don't know what it is about it i remember seeing the trailer for it and thinking wow that might that could be good. It looks like it could, you know, maybe run off the rails and be a little too much torturey for me. But mm-hmm. uh, I just, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, I think um, for that reason, I mean, I, I mean, when I go, when I think of Hitchcock, um, I'm just, you know, I, I don't know what my favorite Hitchcock is, but I would, I would say definitely, you know, this along with Psycho are his two. You'd have to say his two most probably popular films i'd say um yeah the, the two north, that most people know about north by northwest yeah. and rearview mirror and vertigo yeah. and with those mm-hmm. the, the, those are in yeah. the running i guess yeah that that kind of handful but when you think pop culture i mean you think you know you think a psycho because you hear about psycho, definitely you hear about no Bates. doubt yeah and then the birds you know because every time you know probably you, you hear about the birds so much those those two seem to be yeah those, those just t- tend to be the the two that probably stand mm-hmm. you know taller than than his other work um and uh one thing's for certain is that luna the dog is is over podcasting she's ready <laughs> she's ready to be done she's completely over it <laughs> to the point of crying <laughs> it's okay luna i think somebody's got to go pot pot there you go <laughs> we better let her go y'all ready to wrap this up yep all right. Well, don't forget, next episode, we'll be doing some Force Watch. Don't forget to watch Phantasm if you're out there listening uh, before we reconvene. And uh, wish us luck in Paducah because that's coming up next weekend. Um, but uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing, as always. Uh, thanks for giving us the rating. Thanks for giving us the review. If you haven't done so, please do. Five more so spots we- for uh, available to get in on the free t shirt. We're going to give a T-shirt. All you got to do is give us a review. So please go do that. Um, and we'd also like to, we'd like some input from our fans to yeah. see if we should go in a certain antique shop again the next time we go. Mm. 
And yeah, it, maybe we can tell that story. <laughs> and if you leave a review, uh, I'll go ahead and throw this into the pot too. If you leave a review and you want us to take a look at a movie and you put that in the review, we'll take a look yeah. at it. Absolutely. We'll, we'll give it the old walk softly treatment. Yep. As long as it doesn't rhyme with the easy mangler. Please no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I think that does it. Thanks for listening to the uh, special Halloween episode of Talk Hard. So for Scott Stafford, for Todd Sheen, this is Alan Martin reminding you to walk softly and talk hard. Well, I hope you come to see me in the movie. And I know that you will plainly see. Biggest fool that's ever hit the big time. And all I got to do is act naturally.